This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 884, Spotlight on Loki, episode 1. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 884. It's our spotlight on Loki, episode one. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, joined by Tibor Mate. Tibor, how are you doing today? Doing all right, yourself? I'm doing well. So uh, it's funny, that we, you know, for the last few Marvel shows, the last couple, I guess, there's only been two, uh, you know, we always kind of recorded the day it came out, but this one came out on a Wednesday, kind of threw off the rhythm. So we're talking about this on the Sunday after it came out, but I do think it gives it more time to kind of sink in. So what were your first initial reactions to Loki? Yeah, no, I enjoyed the first episode. That's uh, that's my first impression. But I did watch it again. I watched it twice. But uh, did a refresher today. Did you think it was better the uh, first or second time? Yeah, about the same. I'll be honest. But uh, I didn't really catch that much new, different things or anything. Like I think I caught most of it the first time through. Mm-hmm. So this one, is, um, it, pretty, it's such an interesting episode. It's an interesting show, right? Because I mean. The plot really hasn't developed, but there's so much character work, and probably the maybe the most character work we've seen in one of these Disney Plus shows in some ways because it was so concentrated. And obviously, it was it was so important to do because you really had to figure out how do you get Loki from event you know the Avengers movie that Loki to a place where he could be uh, you know a protagonist that you could kind of get behind and enjoy watching and who isn't an outright antagonist um, because the other version of Loki had movies to develop this you know this change of character but here we just had to jump in and figure out a way to do it and I thought they actually did, executed it extremely well I will say it felt, it felt a little fast but yeah I mean I get, I get why they're doing it they're, you know, they're building it up so that they can move forward with it going you know going to the next couple episodes right it's interesting too because, like, obviously the the whole idea, or the premise is that you know, the, for this kind of character change, is that he knows that he's stuck. He's he can't go back, and he sees the life that you know he should have lived and didn't get to experience. So he's got nothing left to live for. But you know, he's not going to just lay down and die. So he's going to figure out you know what's my new purpose. And I feel like that has to be you know, and maybe I'm just reaching, but I feel like that's got to be the premise of the show is at the end kind of figuring out is he going to be this new version of Loki he wants to be or is he going to kind of go back on his old ways because if they are truly after an evil variant of himself I feel like that's going to be you know him trying to decide how is he going to move forward yeah I was wondering about that too like so how does this work now so like because this like he's a variant so he's like so what happens did they just like reset that timeline to go back a little bit so that he did end up going to Asgard I think so. Yeah, well, it brings up a lot of questions because, like, I always thought, you know, generally speaking in in the comic book universe, um, you can't really time travel back to a moment. You just, when you time travel, you create a new reality, which is essentially what the movies were kind of saying. Um, But then there's so many questions about, like, no one's been ever been clear on exactly how the time travel in Avengers Endgame worked. And in theory, this is a show that could clear that up. But it also asks a lot more questions. Um, like, all I could think about was, Steve Rogers is a variant then, right? Like, if we assume that him going back in time and being with Peggy created its own reality, he would have. he's a variant who created that. Therefore, he shouldn't be allowed to do that, unless 
he does, it is technically part of the sacred timeline that he goes back to, and he lives through the sacred timeline. So, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's one thing, like, I feel like, like, this first episode, like, po- like opened up more questions than answers in that sense, like, of how this whole thing fits together, but yeah. I do I like the idea that me. heroes can kind of do what they want. They're like, oh, well, this was meant to happen, because it was the heroes who did it. <laughs> well, I mean, they did fix things, right? Like, they did fix the, like the sacred timeline I guess right it was like so that she did say that that was meant to happen right like with the um, so that, that it's like a but then it's like a predestination paradox yeah I don't know right and, and, and in, in theory the Avengers I guess yeah going back and changing reality but then going back and fixing it I guess that's the why the TVA didn't get involved the idea that they can see you know that that's what's meant to happen that Steve Rogers is going to return all the relics or the all the different stones so it's not actually permanently altering those timelines except Loki doing what he did ended up creating his own variant a big question that I had afterwards was what happens to Gamora? Gamora is definitely a variant yeah, exactly. Like, it opens up so many questions, right? Well, I mean, I guess I assume we'll have some answers by the end of this, but it does open up a lot of questions. But I mean, I, I like asking questions. You know, I, I, none of it took me out of it in such a way that I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense that I can't get beyond it. It's more like, oh, well, I'm curious how they'll resolve it if they will. And sometimes they decide to resolve questions and sometimes they don't. Um, I did like seeing, you know, this kind of felt very much like a Loki, this is your life <laughs> kind of episode. Um, and I really liked that. And I really, I just, I, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed Owen Wilson. He was so good. <laughs> Yeah, no, he was solid. Like, yeah, definitely was a uh, well acted, well done. I mean, I obviously, really he's a very charismatic guy, but there's just something about he was very unassuming in the role, and I think that's what it needed to be. It needed to be kind of you know a pencil pusher, like a desk guy, um, but just you know starting this adventure with you know the god of mischief, and he just really sold it. And I his his charisma really just made me want to watch more, and I, I would just watch more of just Owen Wilson as this character because it looks like he's just having a fun time. He's being he's Owen Wilson playing this character and just you know having a great time with it. Yeah, no, he was good. It definitely stood out solid in the episode. I wanted to ask you actually, was it the, the sacred timeline? Is that a thing in the comics at all? And the and the timekeepers like so calling it the sacred timeline? No, but the TVA does exist. Um, so they've been around uh, doing different things in the comics before. Um, they typically have have only really interacted primarily with like the Fantastic Four. They have a bone to pick with Reed Richards typically, um, but you know they haven't been used a lot. Um, but they do exist, and I mentioned this kind of off podcast to you before. But um, the original concept um, for the visuals of Mobius and actually in the comics, everyone in the TVA looks the same. They're all different. Uh, they're all different personalities, but they'll look the same. They're all uh, you know the Mobius kind of design, and they're all patterned after the continuity wizard of Marvel at the time, Mark Gruenwald, who is kind of the heart and soul of Marvel. A lot of would say he died in the mid '90s of a heart attack, um, but. Uh, the TVA was always kind of patterned after him. So um, that's kind of where the character is coming from in terms of Mobius himself. Yeah, it was. A, I, I guess that would get really confusing if you did all of them looking the same. But so, Oh, uh, yeah. And it would cost a lot more. That, well, that too, yeah, actually, yeah. But, I mean, it's not that Disney doesn't have a cash. But, yeah, it, w- it would be more expensive for sure. For sure. But, I yeah. did really like the design aesthetic. That was one thing that stood out to me, too. Like, I really like that sort of early 70s futuristic uh, look that they went with. Oh, for sure. I, I read an article about uh, all the different um, 
kind of inspirations that they kind of took into this and things that they were thinking of when they were developing it. And, and uh, Mad Men was one of the inspirations that came up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I was that it definitely has that sort of like late sixties, early seventies feel. Yeah, they said that they, they kind of like the the philosophical and aesthetic um, kind of the inspiration was from Mad Men because they thought it was a good example of a of a rich character study, uh, which at the time was just less about plot and more just about character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Mad Men totally knows that. Like, really, the character, like the the, the plot is just real life events that happen sort of in the background, right? And they mm-hmm. and they experience some of that stuff. You know, and then bring it up, but it's very much a character piece. Like it's, it's all about those characters, for sure. I am curious, like obviously, what the end game of this series is going to be. And apparently, like there is potential that there might be a second season of this because, again, like WandaVision, we know we're not getting. Well, they've kept saying we're not getting a second season of that, and it would definitely be hard to do that. It, at least in in and of what it used to be, it would have to be something completely different. And is it really WandaVision at that point? Hard to say. But uh, you know, Loki, who knows where it could go? Because again, we don't really know what it's going to be yet. Because that's the only, I guess, downside of this episode. Because there's so much heavy lifting to kind of get the character into the right kind of space we don't really get a lot of plot progression per se we get a little bit of introduction of what the tva is but we're not really moving forward with the actual adventure of the character so from a plot standpoint it's actually really slow and actually i was talking with uh, my brother-in-law and so paul really enjoyed it and but he's already you know bought into the mcu and loves that stuff and his wife was bored and was like, what are we? What is this? But she loves Endgame and Infinity War, so she, you'd think that she'd be like having all the buy-in necessary. But she was just kind of really, kind of eyes glazing over because it's very high concept, very high crazy stuff. And if you're not ready for that, I don't know if this episode is going to give you enough to really want to continue. No, I could see that. It was a, um, you know, like being a Star Trek fan, like time travel uh, stuff. I enjoy those kinds of like. That's why we we even started kind of with, with all the questions, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're nerdy about that kind of stuff, right? So, and Marvel keeps keeps like keeps us on our toes with that stuff all the time, right? And they're very good at that, and they're very good at like making it fit, right? And even stuff coming back years later and then fitting in, you know, and stuff like that, which is they've they've done an excellent job with uh, doing that stuff. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, I could see though for some people it being slow for sure. Like it's a lot of recap. Oh yeah, it's a, t- a ton of recap, but again, like I, I love, I loved it, I, and again, I liked being able to really, you know, deep dive into Loki. Like the fact that when uh, Owen Wilson's character keeps asking, you know, why do you hurt people? Like that's, you know, there's some pretty interesting questions there that really kind of dig in. In a lot of ways, we never really got that much of an exploration of Loki on that deep a level in the movies. We got a sense of it, but he was never the protagonist. So we spent time with him, but only usually in relation to his brother. Whereas this is actually just how he sees himself, and then also how the audience is going to see him as a result. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like it, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, he was like in you know in, in the majority of what was it uh, the second Thor, right? He's just in that prison cell, right? Mm-hmm. So most of it, like moping around. So yeah, we don't we like yeah we don't see as much. Um, whereas here, he actually ends up answering the question, and everything, which is it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty good uh, character study. What I do think is really funny, if you think about this in Endgame, is that they keep going back to Thor: The Dark World to be like, hey guys, remember this movie that everyone hates? Guess what? We're gonna use this again. Well, I mean, it's it is a part of the universe, right? It is. There was some big pieces, especially for Loki, big pieces, and then. You have an Infinity Stone there, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, that was cool. I did like how the Infinity Stones are just worthless, you know, onto 
uh, stone and a bunch of them in that dude's desk. Yeah. And that was pretty funny. Which I like that because, I mean, in the comics, that's typically been true that i think it was the, yeah that the um the the infinity gauntlet or the the gems only work in their native reality that if you were outside of your reality they wouldn't necessarily work yeah no that was cool i thought that was a really good way of like yeah none of, none of that matters anymore and it's kind of neat for sure so i mean again this is a nerdy time variance question um but like again thinking about how time works and how the whole idea of it being the sacred timeline which i think calling it that definitely makes you think differently about how continuity in the timeline works in the Marvel Universe. If they just said kind of prime timeline, I think it would have felt different. There's something about the word sacred that I think um, makes the viewer probably interact with it differently. But like even the the idea that um, Thanos, you know, from 2014 traveled into the future and then got dusted, you know, what how, how does that impact the timeline as well? Because in theory... If he, if if we assume that it didn't create an alternate reality or wasn't supposed to, and he came from the the sacred reality, well, he would have to go back. So how does that work? Well, yeah, I mean, and again, and like what happens with the Loki? Like, so he's the variant, but then did they they just rewind time a little bit so that the original is still there and then fix the like fix it from him, you know, picking up the tesseract? Yeah, and I guess the, if I mean, I guess that goes to the idea that everything was meant to happen, so if they knew that Thanos was going to get dusted, it'd be easy to then reset the timeline knowing he's going to get dusted anyway. They don't have to worry about doing anything about the variant because the Avengers are going to take care of the variant. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's like they didn't need to intervene there, right? But yeah, it, I mean, it does open up a ton of kind of questions. It is interesting, though. I, I did really like how they... Um, how they travel with those like sort of portals they're just like these you know they almost look like um like mon- like uh see-through monolith right yeah. like it's a, the, that was kind of cool uh a reference design, the, sorry go ahead the design aesthetic was sorry yeah the design aesthetic was cool was neat like just the whole like the uniforms and you know and having those weapons and like just establishing those things like you know just by using them and doing things with them that was, that was cool like the, the reversing time with that little device mm-hmm I, uh, I, I, we'd seen it in the trailers, uh, the, the DB Cooper sequence, like that, him jumping out the plane and then getting sucked away. And I remember watching that being like, well, how does that going to work with, you know, and now it obviously makes sense because it's a flashback, but uh, I didn't know anything about the DB Cooper thing. I had to look it up. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That's another reference that you didn't know? I did not. Well, I mean, I, I don't know the DB Cooper thing. No, I did not. I know, I, I know, I know I comics, not real life, apparently. I- What's that? I said I know comic books, not real life. Apparently. Oh, okay. So it's a, re- a real life reference. Interesting. Oh, so you don't know it either? Well, I, I sort of assume that it's being thrown in there because, like, he, his hat has been thrown in the ring for, like, you know, or his name's been thrown in the ring for James Bond. But oh I don't no, know so, the actual reason. So DB DB Cooper is a uh, is is a uh, a pseudonym of a guy who did hijack a 727 in 1971. Oh, interesting. So, okay. and he collected ransom, he collected some parachutes, and then he disappeared. And he also said, you know, I have a bomb, just like he did in, in the show, because that's, that's what it's supposed to be. So they're using it to kind of explain this this oddity that was open as an open FBI, FBI investigation for like 40 years and was never closed. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it's almost like an XYZ type uh, For sure. Type throw in. That's funny. So I had no idea about that. I, I think I was on Twitter or something. Someone was like, I love I love the Loki show, and I love that people are going to look up D.B. Cooper now. I'm like, 
wait, who's D.B. Cooper? <laughs> like, this is a real thing? So... Yeah, I just assumed, like, with the, the, it was sort of a thing to, like, reference him, you know, being in the, in the running for Bond, kind of, like, not that he's actually in the running, but, you know, the rumors. Oh, no, this is, this is something else. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? That is cool, I like it, it makes it even more interesting. But yeah, so I, I, I like that, again, it's, it, it feels like they're really having fun with this show, um, from what we've seen so far, like again, it, it looks very high concept. I'm excited to see where we go with it. Obviously, the trailers make it look like quite a rip roaring adventure, uh, which I'm excited to see. And uh, it looks like Hiddleston's having the time of his life too. Like you can tell that he's having a lot of fun. This this role obviously gave him a lot of opportunities, uh, and you know gave him a high profile because, and he was obviously a very good actor because he really sold the character, and people want to see more of him. And now he has his own show as well. So I mean, it's really exciting to kind of see him be able to take that opportunity. He looks like he's really grateful for it and just having the time of his life and there's just something about the combination of him and Wilson that really plays off together well oh yeah no for sure it's like and he's been doing it for so long too it's nice that he's getting his own it's, it's good like all these characters that, that we can now explore more you know with these shows it's the perfect fit yeah the ones that who may not have gotten a you know a big big budget movie of their own get to actually have a lot more uh, room to grow in these TV show episodes yeah, and like as you said before, it is interesting. Like the other shows, we kind of had an idea of where they'd end up. With the, you know, like um, especially Captain America, right? With the, we 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 knew most likely he's going to come become Cap at the end, right? Like, mm-hmm. whereas this one is the mo- is the most open. Like as to like we have no idea where this is going to go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, uh, getting back to the idea of the aesthetic, and again, that kind of Mad Men style, but even Miss Minutes really felt like something out of Mad Men. Oh least. yeah, no. Well, it, it reminded me of Disney, right? Like the oh, for like, sure. uh, sort of c- cartoons, right? With the uh, propaganda cartoons and stuff, right? Like it was, it was really good. It was really well done. They, uh, they got I'm a- sure that was Disney animation too. I'm sure, right? Like yeah. They got a, a vet of, uh, of voiceover work to do that. They got Tara Strong uh, to do that. She's you know, extremely well known for her voiceover work. So they got uh, her to do the character. And I really liked I thought she did a great job. I, I kind of want to see more of Miss Minutes. Yeah, yeah, that would be funny if they should, like comes back in little shorts or something. Like, I could see that. Oh, for sure. I mean, Marvel does fun, weird things all the time. Yeah, it was. A, it kind of reminded me like Fruity Odie bars from uh, the Firefly. Oh yeah. Or <laughs> Serenity, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's right. The movie. So, what um, going in again? We've, we've kind of talked about how it is a relatively narrow show uh, in terms of a pilot because, or, well, the first episode because it is so much of a character piece between uh, Wilson and uh, Hiddleston. It's almost more of a two-hander more than anything else. But what else did you get from the show that you were really looking forward to? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know where it's going to go. So I'm just interested to where, to where where they're going to take it. Right? Like, I am curious. Like no idea what the next episode is going to be right like are they going to do some time hopping and like trying to catch the other loki or you know it'll be cool it'll be cool to see mm-hmm. yeah it's uh i'm really yeah really excited to see where they go with it and because as you said like they can literally do anything with it because it's the one that does feel the most open because the other ones it always kind of felt like we know where where the pieces were going to go next you know we knew that you know 
uh, Wanda was going to be in uh, the next Doctor Strange movie, so we assumed that there was going to be some kind of tie-in at some some kind or at some point. Um, even again, Falcon and the Winter Soldier probably had the least amount of meaningful build-up in some ways because I think we all knew he was going to be Captain America at the end. Uh, if you didn't know that, then you probably weren't a fan of the source material or just don't really see how comic books go. Um, whereas this one, who knows? And I think very early on they had mentioned that this would potentially tie into Doctor Strange as well. Who knows? But, I mean, if that's with the multiverse and this is talking about timelines, etc., it's natural that there might be a connection there. It does feel like this year is really pushing towards Doctor Strange being a really much bigger movie than maybe we even realize, given that it might have a connection to Loki. It's definitely have a connection to Scarlet Witch. Uh, it's probably have a connection to the next Spider-Man movie, given that Doctor Strange is in that movie as well. Is Doctor Strange the new Tony Stark? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, if they're going to go multiverse, then I think he's going to be a pretty big part of it, right? Like, it makes sense, um, you know, with his magic abilities and his time travel abilities. Mm-hmm. Like, it does make sense for him to be a big part of it. There was something uh, Miss Minutes said in the in the video. It was like, you know, about the, the timelines going into chaos or madness, mm. right? So, which I think is a direct reference to the title of the next Doctor Strange, right? Cause, yeah, uh, multiversal, multiversal madness. Ma- ma- yeah. So, like, I definitely think that that seed's already been planted there. That's true. And then the the one that, again, we always kind of forget about is also you have uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out in two years, in 2023. That obviously deals with the quantum realm, which is supposed to be tied to the multiverse as well. Plus, that movie is one of the antagonists is supposed to be Kang the Conqueror, who is a time traveler, which, again brings up you know kind of the questions of how is this going to possibly connect with loki as well so this one in some ways again feels very important to the future of the mcu in ways that maybe is even more direct than the other two um because this one really could go everywhere yeah well it's like yeah it's like a huge layer of fabric you know in the whole overall picture right so it will be interesting to see like how important it does become right it's uh, it's nice to get this again this this constant churn of MCU product. I mean, it's so interesting to go back and like look at like you know 2008 you got Iron Man, then there was a two year wait for Iron Man two, which seems crazy to think about now. Although we've had almost a two year wait now between Spider Man Far From Home and the next like actual cinematic um, sorry uh, actual movie experience in Black Widow. But besides the a pandemic, there really hasn't been a break for so long. And so we're, it's nice to kind of now have this constant churn of new products that are going to different directions in the MCU and adding to this, again, this fuller picture. Because no one's ever been able to nail a shared universe experience like Marvel has. And I don't think it's ever going to be replicated to the same degree, no matter how much other companies want to. Yeah, I mean, it is very unique, right? Like, it was a, you know, what are we at, 23, 24 movies now? Like... Mm-hmm. All interconnected. Now you have three shows. It's a, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Like it is, it's a very you know unique thing. And you know, DC has been trying to hack at it for how long, and they just can't seem to get it together. Yeah. So. Um, well, and yeah, I guess the, the big the big thing too is just the the crazily consistent quality too, right? Like there really hasn't been like a really bad one. Like even the you know the Thor the Dark Worlds. 
not the greatest movie, but it's not a bad movie. It's just not as good as the others. In fact, if the others didn't exist, I think you'd be like, well, that was a, that was a good superhero movie. But because the other ones set the bar so high, every time they have a new MCU movie, it feels like it goes hard, you know, keeps at the bottom end of the list. And once you have 23, 24 movies, it seems like a more damning kind of, you know, statement on its quality. But really, it's fine. It's just not great. I, I feel the same way about Godfather 3. Hmm. If the Godfather 1 and 2 weren't so incredible, like, Godfather 3 wouldn't be as bad as it is. Yeah. But, um, I, mean, I mean, it has its faults, don't get me wrong, but I think it's... it's a, they did a recut, though, recently, which is, definitely improves the film. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a sort of similar situation, right? Like, it's like, yeah, they're all decent movies, right? So the, the, the ones that are stinkers are just not quite as good as the others, right? Mm-hmm. But there are some that definitely stand out even more. Like, still, Winter Soldier is, is so solid, right? Like, it's it's such a such a great a great film, for sure. Well, and I guess the the big thing that's always I think been so nice about the MCU is that obviously there's a general sense of a formula, but they do go to different genres, they do different things, and they kind of pivot around, so you never quite know what you're going to get. And yes, there's a certain again level of MCU snark charm, I'm going to call it, but you know, generally speaking, they still try different things. They go into space, they go, you know, they go do magic, they do this, they do that, they do try different things, and although it's uh, it's all in a shared universe, that's what I think makes it more exciting, because you want to see how it's going to connect, you, see, you want to see how it's going to be part of this, you know, this larger whole. I'm really excited for Shang-Chi for that reason, because it feels like a, a much more intimate movie, but obviously it's connected to the, you know, the MCU, and they're not just going to do a standalone and not have it connect in some ways. I'm curious to see how they make it connect, and to actually see the mandarin for once and you know i'm excited about that kind of stuff eternals still scares me that feels like the movie that i'm like i don't know yeah well i mean it's funny i mean like i remember guardians of the galaxy and being like what the fuck is this right like like obviously this is like the mcu star wars but like what the fuck is this there's a talking (laughs) tree and like how how is this thing gonna work right like there's a raccoon running around and then it was fucking awesome right so yeah, like, I, I, I hear where you're coming from, you know, like, Eternals is a very different, like, feel, for sure, like, even from the trailer, but I have every confidence that they're going to pull it off, like, they just seem to, they seem to know how to, what they're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, like, as a comic book fan, I felt like, like, I, when Guardians came out, I'm like, I know it's bizarre, but, like, I had seen comics that made it work. And that team was pretty cool. And I'm like, if they can translate this to a way that works for a major audience, which they did, this will be great. With the Eternals, I feel like a lot of comic book fans kind of look at it and go, "Is there a great iconic Eternals run that they're going to do that's going to like that is a proof of concept that this is really going to work?" And I just don't think I see that. And I, some people like the Eternals, but I think they're very much a hit or miss kind of entity within comic books, and they're not as Again, if you, you know, a lot of people were like, Guardians were cool, and, you know, 2008, they made them cool again uh, in a way they'd never been before. At least the branding had never been that cool before, and they had a cool team. At least combo fans were like, okay, there's something good here. With Eternals, that's why I'm more nervous about it, because I'm like, I can't point to a great Eternal story. Um, so I, I, I'm excited about it, because I hope it's good, but it also does make me worried that, is this going to be the deep cut that doesn't work? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's possible too that eventually it's going to happen, right? But um, until it does, I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to go in and enjoy, like I've done for everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Just go in and see what happens. And I mean, I, I actually the trailer 
to me, looks interesting. I, like, I think we, I've mentioned it to you, it reminds me of that episode of Star Trek where, like, all the aliens were interconnected mm-hmm. by that one group, right? It's a, so I'm like, are these guys, like, I have no idea what they're about, right? So to me, that's what it reminded me of. But I'm curious to see if that's going to be the case, right? Mm-hmm. They broke the prime directive and started playing around, right? For sure. I'm excited to see what they do with it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting. I'm there's a few thoughts that kind of went in my head is that, you know, were they also affected by the snap? Like, did did they they notice at that point that half of them just disappeared since they had decided to not interfere for so long and then suddenly half of them just disappeared? Yeah, well, that's what I'm curious about in Shang-Chi because I I, I read somewhere that apparently, like, he's sort of gone for five years or whatever or ten years and part of that might be during the snap. So that will be kind of interesting to see how much they explore like was he around during the snap, or was it like what was he doing? Like that—that's that, that, going to be kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the big one for me this year that I'm so excited about is No Way Home. But I am so feverish for a trailer. Like, I want a trailer for that movie so bad just to have any sense of what that visually is going to look like. Like, I obviously, they're not going to give away the farm because, well, actually, they might because Sony's more involved in it. And Sony likes to give you everything. Uh, but Marvel, obviously, is a lot more restrained. And I'm really intrigued to see what, they, what they're going to put out there and what this movie's going to look like at all. Yeah, well, I mean, we know a couple things, right? Just from, you know, that, you know, Dr. Octopus is going to be back, and how does that all work? Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Again, if he's from a different timeline, isn't he a variant? <laughs> like, how is this allowed to happen? Well, who's to say that, like, at the end of this Loki thing, we're not going to get some, like, teasers for all this stuff? You never know, right? Like, That's true. They might not hold back. They might not hold back on this one, right? Like, because there, there has been some restraint with the other shows, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Because apparently, WandaVision, there was talk about Doctor Strange actually showing up, but then they decided against it, right? Mm. So, yeah. it, so you know, even even um, Captain America, there wasn't a huge like sort of lead into anything. You know, we know that he's going to be Captain America, but we don't know what is going to happen. True, right? There wasn't there wasn't any big tease. Um, so yeah, maybe this one will drop a few big ones on us who knows yeah I don't know that's a good point really they could they could shove anything that's surprising into this because if you're going through timelines in Loki you could really uh, the potential for cameos or for surprises is very high oh yeah well I, I remember asking you when the first Loki trailer dropped right it was like is that uh, Black Widow because it very much looked like um, you know where she jumps into oh, yeah. uh, the pit there and then he's sitting next to her, right? So, like, are they going to set up anything with Black Widow, like the movie? Like, is it going to interconnect somehow? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to, yeah, it's, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, with the timeline, you could, yeah, you, that's the thing about time travel, you could do anything, right? Absolutely. Any other, uh, fun- and then also, sorry, go ahead. The only, the only thing I'd be concerned about is, like, if they do too much of, like, oh, variant reset, variant reset. Mm. You know, none of it, none of it matters. So we get into a Voyager situation. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, that, that's the only thing that could be concerning. If they, they if they play that too much, that'd be a little annoying. Like, I do like how they're doing the reset thing. Like, it's very much about like they're destroying that timeline or that branch and yeah. just creating the single singular timeline. So there's very much an objective around it, right? So that's kind of cool. But yeah, you don't want to go on that tangent where it's like, well, we we had this really interesting thing, and then I was like, none of it matters. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully. It's do you think uh, do, do you think the ancient one knew about the TVA? 
Because she's the master of the well, time yeah, stone. Again, more questions, right? Like, who knows? And like, she had to be convinced to let you know Bruce take the stone because she was like, "No, this will create you know these diseased realities." So I guess she wouldn't know about the TVA because the TVA would make sure that it didn't happen anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah, like she, but she was more aware of how time travel worked, right? So yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how that all interconnects. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different connections. Uh, any any final thoughts on on Loki? I, 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 it's interesting because we haven't actually talked that long about it. But I, again, I think it was a relatively straightforward episode in a lot of ways. Uh, there wasn't again, as we said, a lot of plot. A lot of it's just more character study uh, and having Loki eventually kind of come to the decision that he's going to help the TVA uh, because he you know he has nowhere else to go and realizing where you know he's he's kind of stuck. He's you know he's he's a variant. He's cut loose from his own reality. Yeah, well, I mean, it's basically it's death or, or helping them out, so I guess he figures, let's go, let's go do something, right? Yeah. I did I did think that playing the emotional beat of watching uh, his mother die was really, I think it was very effective, because that was definitely, a, that wasn't a, a moment in the in Dark World that did matter, and so I liked that they actually had him see it, and you had Luke Wilson, sorry, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, keep kind of peppering him with it, that it, it was his fault. Uh, and making sure they draw, drew the line that it was his fault that she died, which I don't think the original movies really spend a lot of time on. True, yeah. And also watching his dad die and then watching himself die. Yeah. You know, it was pr- obviously these are impactful moments for, for life, right? And, and like his, his own nothing. death felt a lot more grim and graphic than it was originally. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it definitely was pretty dark. Like the neck snap and everything. Like apparently, like uh, Paul was watching it with his son, who's I guess eleven, uh, and his son was like, "Oh, <laughs> like like that was that was that was dark stuff." Yeah, no, it was good. It was well done. But uh, yeah, no, I'm excited again. Just like with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though, only six episodes. Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, hopefully, like hopefully they, they do it well. Like uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I feel like it could have benefited a little bit more from a little bit longer, but. How much? I don't know, right? Like, you don't want to overdo it either. No, you don't want to go too long. It's interesting, like, you know, I, I feel like eight, I mean, The Mandalorian does eight, right? And I was, I feel like that works well. Like, it just seems like a nice, like, six seems really short um, for some reason. And But I think part of that is, again, that the streaming model originally felt like they were always doing, like, 10 to 13, not Disney Plus, obviously, but I'm just saying when streaming shows started becoming more of a thing, it felt like that was generally the amount of episodes you were getting. Obviously, it's still a, b- a big cut down from the typical network drama that was at 22, 24 episodes a season. Uh, but then when you only get down to six, it just it feels like so much less. But again, you know, the runtime on here is what, 50 minutes or so? So it wasn't like it was a, you know, a 40 minute show. At least you were getting more content. Yeah, you got to remember there's no commercials with that too, right? So, I mean, there is a little bit at the beginning with the trailers and everything or whatever, there's all the teasers, but it's still a pretty solid 50-something minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, I, because there aren't any commercials, it's interesting to look at the pacing of a lot of these shows because uh, as much as commercials are annoying when you're watching them on you know regular network television, um, they are an interesting writing challenge, right? Because you have to kind of set up this moment, this kind of cliffhanger moment, generally, or something to think about 
before you come back from the commercial. And the lack of having that, I think, does really change the structure of how people write. And I don't know which one I prefer because part of me likes that kind of constant grabbing your attention because, you know, oh, don't go anywhere. You want to come back for this because, you know, we just dropped this bomb and you're going to come back for it. And then, so there's a different rhythm to it. Whereas when you have a show that has no commercials and they don't have to build in the act breaks in the same way, it does feel very different. And I don't know which one I prefer more. Yeah, I know. It is weird, right? Like, I mean, we grew up with those shows, right? So it is strange. Like, I'm doing a rewatch of Voyager right now, right? You definitely notice, like, even the musical cues, right? It's set up for, like, Da, 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 whatever, and then oh, yeah, for sure. the commercial, and we'll be back, right? So, um, speaking of the music, though, that was something that stood out to me in, in Loki. It was an excellent score. Yes. Who did um, the? Who I don't did know the... if you caught, caught the theremin. Pardon me. Did you catch the theremin like uh, sound in there? Was, yes, I thought that was kind of nice. Yes, I did. It, it adds like a nice eerie feel to things, right? But um, yeah, I, I looked up the score artist. She hasn't done a lot of stuff, but. Um, but yeah, like she's nailing this. I really like it. That's good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It looks like she has you know limited, uh, limited uh, kind of items listed for you know, previous work, but so far very good. Again, Marvel has a way of you know having a, a deep bench of different talent they find from all sorts of places and then bringing them together and then they develop you know great product. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like scores that stand out. And this one. When the, with the theremin, with the, it hit me and sort of reminded me of um, First Man. Because mm. um, and I, I, I thought maybe it was the same score artist, who said that, but it isn't, which is cool. But um, I, I'm, I'm really liking it. It's standing out to me even more so than any of the other scores. Yeah, I gotta say, I if you, I, I, I can't think of any of the music from the other two shows. Like I can't. It doesn't stand out. Winter Soldier, especially, I think was. I felt like the music didn't really play much of a character or the, the score. I think WandaVision probably more so. I think had some musical cues that I do kind of remember when I think about it. But you're right. I think so far this one probably is the strongest of the three. Yeah, for WandaVision it was more the jingles, right? Because it's like yeah. the different uh, theme songs. But So it's a different sort of uh, genre. But even there, with the, the, um, there was a, a, a group, like the, the, the pair that did those jingles specifically, and then the score itself was done by someone else, right? It was uh, yeah. what's his name from uh, Buffy, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a little bit more traditional sort of TV score. You know, it's there, but it's not as intrusive or not as noticeable. Maybe it doesn't stand out as much, um, but it serves its purpose, right? It you know it gives you a feel for the show. But with the, um, but this this has a different sort of sound, which I'm I'm, I'm digging because I like those sort of scores that are a little bit off and different. Um, and stand out a little. For sure. I'm excited to... Well, two things. First of all, uh, whenever we get a new Marvel uh, show on Disney+, Plus, uh, I always like that they've been adding uh, to the uh, the Legends. Uh, so I did like that they give you kind of the, the recap on both the, the Tesseract and Loki uh, himself, which I thought was really cool. I, I really enjoy those. I know they're just basically extended sizzle reels of past Marvel projects, but uh, damn it, it works on me every time. It gets, definitely gets me hyped. Um, and then I'm also enjoying that they've been doing the documentaries after each series ends, um, which uh, there's going to be another episode of Marvel Studios Assembled uh, on Loki as well. So I like that they have this kind of um, you know, this procedure that before the, move, the before the show comes out, they drop these legends to kind of get everyone up to speed on who these characters were before they have their own show. And then they have the documentary afterwards to kind of peel back the onion and how they actually made it. So I really like that that style. 
Yeah, no, it's a cool, it's a nice touch, right? But um, I think we were both saying it would have been really good for uh, WandaVision to get a little bit more um, of that. It was like a couple episodes would have been good. Because there was a lot of really interesting stuff on how they made that series, right? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, so the, the, the Mandalorian was probably their more their um, their prototype on how to do it, right? Because the the Mandalorian got that whole documentary series, and then they only got I think one episode talking about all of season two. But I mean, I guess because that worked out so well, it's probably that why they were like, well, let's do this about all the Marvel shows. Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm just curious why, like, the first one, maybe, like, the viewership wasn't as high for all the other episodes of that Mandalorian one. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Because they really deep-dived in the first series, right? Like, it was very detailed. Uh, and yeah. how they broke down, like, every aspect of that production. I guess part of it's just that it's Star Wars, and Mandalorian was, the kind of the hit that... I guess, did they expect it to be a hit? Like, did people expect it to love it, or were people worried about it? I can't remember what the general consensus was before Mandalorian came out, but it definitely feels like it surpassed expectations. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, the fact that they had no uh, merchandise for it at all hmm. tells me that they were, be- they were being very cautious on that one, right? Like, it was, if this is a bomb, we're, like, the Star Wars universe is pretty screwed, right? Like, that's, yeah. I think, where it was. It's interesting, because you can't say that Disney typically is that cautious about pumping out merchandise for Star Wars. <laughs> well, no, but like with the the Disney trilogy, like every one of them, the merchandising was was falling off harder and harder, right? Mm. So the um, so they they were releasing less stuff for each film, and then when it came to the Mandalorian, they literally had no product like ready. It was a wait and see. For sure, I mean it's interesting too because I think that. You know the narrative they they want to put out there is that they didn't know what people would think about the child and didn't want to ruin the surprise, and that's why they didn't have stuff ready, which I feel like is kind of flimsy. Oh no, they they didn't know if it was going to be a hit or not, right? Like they absolutely it was a gamble, For and sure. they 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 ended up winning, so big time. And I think you know Star Wars fans ultimately are the ones who are the real winners there because they got to have you know an enjoyable Star Wars product that everyone can kind of enjoy and doesn't uh, doesn't you know as you said the the Disney trilogy didn't do so well and so to have something that is kind of universally enjoyed um, and then you know now we have Filoni getting more and more um, you know credit and and power and influence is only a good thing for fans of Star Wars. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like him, him and uh, Fy- uh, not Feige, but he could be like the new Feige, right? Like for the Marvel universe, he could be the the Feige of the Star Wars universe, right? Mm. So, I'm, that's the thing that always blows my mind about the MCU is that Feige has remained not only like he he he's the one who keeps charting the ship, and there hasn't been any real. At least as far as we're, you know, we're lay people, but I mean, it doesn't sound like there's ever really been any kind of fracturing of. You know, Disney wanted to take more control. They're just kind of letting him do what he does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's always an interesting thing. You keep hearing about those nightmares about uh, the DC universe, right? All the turnover and interference from the studio and everything like that. But um, and then there was some talk about that with uh, Star Wars too. There was a lot of rumors about that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, like I, I, I watched uh, a thing on YouTube. They have like those actors, actors on actors. Yep. And uh, it was um, Captain America and uh, so Chris Evans and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh yeah. And one of the things, one of the things that they touched upon was how awesome the experience um, with Marvel and doing those films was, and like just the whole group and how that whole group of actors 
got along and like it is pretty impressive right because like a lot of times you hear about these nightmare sets you know after you know years could go by or whatever and just people not getting along people just being complete assholes to each other and things like that so it sounds like they genuinely all got along right so which is pretty awesome oh for sure they um they did a, another one of those actor on actor ones that i was reading the par- partial transcript from and it was uh uh, Kelly Cuoco and Elizabeth Olsen and going back and forth and um, one thing was interesting that kind of stood out was that you know she was saying uh, Olsen was saying that you know with Marvel projects there are a lot of script updates kind of happening on the fly uh, which you do feel that in the movies that you know obviously they, they know what the plots are but they're definitely playing with the dialogue and making it snappier and again it's almost a cliche that you have this kind of you know snarky patter in a Marvel movie, and it sounds like a lot of that is on the fly and updating these scripts on a regular basis. Yeah, well, I mean, look at um, Civil War. Like Spider-Man wasn't even supposed to be in that, right? Nope. I mean, that just happened. I mean, I, part it was because of the business side of things, but still, like it's pretty crazy to think that he wasn't even supposed to be a part of that film. It's still amazing that they're that he's even in those movies at all. Oh, absolutely. Like, no one thought that was going to happen. And then for X-Men and everybody, like, in Fantastic Four and to be, bring, like, coming into the fold, too, it, it's nuts. Like, who would have thought, right? Like, No one thought. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, it's almost all home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. It's, it's kind of neat, but it's also scary in one sense, too, like, how much power Disney has. Yeah, well, and especially, like, at the beginning, like, you only got, you know, a couple movies a year, and that was fine when they didn't have a huge roster of characters available and ready to go, and now, like, you know, they're already, they they have a lot of IP, they have other stuff they're trying to develop, and then they get X-Men back, (laughs) and they're like, where is this going to fit? Yeah, well, who knows, would this Wolverine show up in, in Loki? Why not? That I mean, that's the type of thing, right? It'd be cool to kind of see him there. I'd rather see Deadpool, though, to be honest. That would be funny. Yeah, well, exactly. How is Deadpool going to all tie into everything, right? Like, he's the ultimate variant. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to notice because he's the only one who could, right? He's the fourth wall breaker. So, you know, he would know that he's suddenly in a different universe. And you know that when they make Deadpool 3, at some point, he's going to reference that he's in the MCU now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Speaking I can see with Deadpool, too, like... What's cool is that they could make a PG Deadpool and they can still make another R Deadpool. Like, there's so much potential there. For sure. I do, um, speaking of like weird sly references, I do still love that in the, uh, the last Dark Phoenix movie we got, at the very end, uh, all the mutants were being taken away by the MCU. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's got to be intentional, right? Like, it has to be, intense. right? Like, it, it's so awkward if it's not. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like it had to be intentional, right? Because there was reshoots with that too, isn't there? Like, uh, well, I mean, I think I mean, I don't know how extensive they were, but I mean, there definitely were. Because I remember that, like, the movie didn't release until they were purchased by Disney, right? That's true, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder, like, how much of that was reshot, or what, like, or was that always the intentional plan? It, it was really, yeah, it was pretty on the nose. It's so funny. <laughs> Whenever I see it, I'm just like, oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> what would be funny is if they didn't think of it and it was just purely by accident. That would be even funnier. And, yeah, it would be pretty funny, but also, like, really damning. Like, that's... How do you not notice that? Yeah, I don't know. But, it, like, yeah, I'm really curious. It would be cool to find out if that was intentional or not. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I guess any. Uh, obviously, we're gonna come back together when uh, when Loki finishes up. Which I guess I don't know when that would be. I haven't actually looked at the calendar, but um, I guess that's sometime in July. So I yeah, guess it was a, I guess uh, Black Widow overlaps then, right? Uh, actually, no, I don't think so because we actually no, it does. Yeah, because we got this one now. Um, so the the fifth episode would be coming out on the seventh of July. Then we get Black Widow, and then we get the the last episode of Loki on the fourteenth. Yeah, so there's a bit of a crossover. Are we doing Black Widow? I don't know. Um, I don't know when I'm watching. I, I'm probably watching it on the ninth. That's my anniversary, so I'm not sure where or how I'm watching it. But I would imagine at some point we'll probably be talking about Black Widow. But I cannot confirm. All right. Cool. We'll, we'll schedule off podcast. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm down for uh, Black Widow. I'm excited for that film. Yeah, well, I mean, even if we didn't, even if for whatever reason I did a separate episode of Black Widow with like Kelly, um, we'd be talking about Loki the following week. We could always sandwich some some Black Widow chat into that anyway. Oh, I'm sure there's going to be some crossover a little bit. So we'll, we'll see. I'm yeah, I'm very excited about that movie and what it means for you know how, how are they going to use Yelena Belova moving forward if they do. Uh, because you know if they don't have an active Black Widow in the MCU right now because she died, so I'm imagining that they'll want to you know get a character ready to go to kind of take over for her. Yeah, yeah. Who knows, right? It'll be it'll be interesting to say. We're getting a new Hawkeye too, so. Oh yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just excited to see what happened in Budapest, right? Because yeah. they're they're going to Budapest and they're like it's in the trailers, right? So I'm assuming that we're going to find out, you know, it was talked about way back when. You think we're actually getting the flashback to that, though? I think so, man. I think we're getting the explanation. I don't know. I'm curious about it. I'm not sure if we're actually going to see it. Well, I don't know if we'll see it, but I think it will be explained what happened. Yeah, maybe. That's probably going to happen. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. That was way back in Avengers. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I mean... We're kind of there with Loki, right? So it's kind of funny. That's true. <laughs> Very good point. All right. Well, again, Tibor, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, if you want to email us, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And also listen to... Uh, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. I keep saying iTunes because it's been that way for so long, but technically it is Apple Podcasts now. So you can listen to us on Apple Podcast or on Stitcher. And uh, the next episode coming up would be another conversation with artist Ron Friends, who's coming back to the show uh, for another return engagement. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.